The Cost Camps Coaches Show, episode 23. Coaches, welcome to the Cost Camps Coaches Show. Today's guest, we have Coach Chris Miller. He's the head coach at Ephrata High School. Coach Miller is a 2009 graduate of Lebanon Valley College. Upon graduation, he was hired at Northern Lebanon, and he was a long-term sub with that the hiring contingent that he coached soccer. So he's uh, he doesn't have any soccer experience, but that's how he got his start in, in high school coaching. So just want to throw that interesting tidbit out there. Um, then he was hired as the O-line and D-line coach for the football team after a coaching transition at Northern Lebanon. He was the head JV coach. He became the defensive coordinator. They won a couple section titles. And in 2016, he became the head football coach at Ephrata. Coach Miller, welcome to the Cost Camps Coaches Show. Uh, thanks, Coach. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Love what you're doing. And I have enjoyed listening to your episode so far. And uh, I appreciate you uh, offering me to come on. Great, great. A couple things that Coach is going to talk about. And, um, we, you know, we've talked a lot about culture. There's been a lot of a lot of guys on here talking about culture. And that's a, you know, that's a... This time of year, it's a big thing, especially with no season going on. You're trying to kind of build things up. It's almost like you're playing the long game. But Coach is going to talk a little bit about what he does game plan-wise, what he's doing in practice and practice planning. Um, we'll get into some more stuff later too. But, Coach, why don't we start there? You want to start – why don't you talk about how you go about planning when you're uh, – I don't know if you want to talk about how you, how you attack if you're – if if you come from a defensive background, if you, if you start there or, or however you want to start, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so I, I kind of started, as you mentioned, as a defense coordinator in Lebanon. Uh, and that was really kind of my first foray into play calling. Um, and, you know, Roy, I coached with Roy Wall for uh, his for a good part of his first tenure, I guess, from 2010 to 2015. I was with him and, and I learned a lot from him uh, and kind of how the things set up. And, you know, as a staff, we come in uh, and we really start breaking down the next opponent. We, we, we get in Saturday morning after our game at 7 a.m. And, and that's kind of where our big chunk of our game planning starts. Um, I've been focusing primarily on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, one of the things that when I became a head coach that I want to do is I want to make sure I could hire assistants that, you know, I, I could trust to do their job. So I, I kind of let my offensive guys focus on that side of the ball. Uh, and we'll meet as a staff on Saturday morning and we'll discuss. And, you know, one of the things that we, you know, believe in is that, you know, we're coaching high school kids uh, and we don't want to overwhelm them with, you know, 70 different formations that our opponent runs. We try to hone in and, you know, we'll break down the three most recent games and we'll look at, OK, what are their top formations and, and how can we line up to those? And, and that's really where our game planning starts is here's their top formations. Here's our base defense. Let's see here how we match up and where our issue is going to be. Um, you know, and, and our philosophy is we always want to get the best 11 guys on the field as we can. So we traditionally we run a four three scheme. So we, you know, tweak our guys and where we put our safety, what coverage we want to line up with. Uh, and you know, I'm a, a math teacher, so I, I'm really fascinated by numbers. And we, we're a real percentage based uh, game planning team. What do they like to do out of this formation? Uh, what coverage puts us in the best spot and so put our guys in the best spot? So we'll, we'll kind of brainstorm and you know, we'll discuss those things together and I, I'll talk to my defensive back coach. What does he like? What, what does he see as a give us fits? Talk to our linebacker coach. How does our run fits look? 
uh, you know, what what's going to put our linebackers in a bind and do the same with our defensive line coach. So, you know, everyone has a job that they're responsible for and their input is valuable in our game plan process, uh, you know, because we never want to be a type of staff that's just going to have one guy doing absolutely everything and coming up with a whole game plan. So it, it's we, we work together and get this plan together. And, you know, then we leave Saturday afternoon. And, you know, we go home, we stew on it. And what's one of the nicest things about coaching now that I've been fortunate enough, I've always been in, in the technology area of coaching, but the, the the online features that we have and the ability to do stuff from home and still be with our families. Uh, most of my staff has, is younger guys that have young kids. And so giving them the opportunity to be part of the, be with their families on Sunday and kind of get away and still do their job from home has been a huge part of it. Um, and, you know, on Saturday afternoon, we push out our game plan to our guys. Our, every guy on our team has an app on their phone that they can they'll get access to our game plan uh, for the week. And the expectation is that between Saturday and when we meet together on Monday for practice, that they'll have reviewed the game plan and know what we're installing um, and, and have an idea what we're looking for. And then Monday, we kind of just do go through our install period. Uh, Tuesday's traditionally a, a defensive practice for us. Offensive practice Wednesday, and we're really fine-tuning things there. And then Thursday, I think, like everyone else, we're game planning and our game check, and Friday's game time, and Saturday we start all back over again. When you meet on Saturday morning, how much will you guys talk about the previous night's football game? Uh, we'll, we'll usually spend, like, so at 7 o'clock we come in, so we'll probably talk from, like, 7 to, like, 8 o'clock just if there's anything about what we uh, what we saw what we need to adjust, what we need to fix. Um, and then from like eight to nine, we start really breaking down and, and running the, the, the reports on huddle. And then we bring our guys in at 9 a.m. on Saturday uh, to do a run, lift, and film session uh, to kind of, you know, make sure – the big thing there is that's huge, we think, for injury prevention. We, we You know, if a kid would get banged up on Friday, they have a chance to see our trainer uh, within 24 hours of the game Get, start their treatment plan and try to get a, a leg up and as opposed to waiting until Monday to do that. Uh, so we'll, we'll have the kids and then we'll watch the film with the kids from the previous night's game um, and go through that and, and talk about areas of weaknesses. Most of our guys uh, will have already graded the film after the game uh, and give the kids their grades and talk about improvement areas. And then we have what's what we call in our program, the 11 o'clock rule. So at 11 o'clock, it doesn't matter if we won Friday the celebration's over and we're back to work uh, and focusing on our next opponent. And 11 o'clock, if we lost the night before, it's, uh, you know, we, we got to stop feeling sorry for ourselves and, and move on the next day. Uh, and that's what, you know, my first, when I first started coaching and we talked to the staff about coming on Saturdays, they went a big fan of the, you know, playing until 10 o'clock on a Friday night and coming back in Saturday morning at seven. Uh, but I think, giving the chance for the kids to uh, get their heads straight and get focused on an next opponent, I think goes a long way instead of kind of waiting, waiting until Monday to get back together. When you um, are preparing for your next opponent, like that Saturday morning, so you, you kind of talk about Friday's game and then you start talking about uh, the next opponent. Will you have already watched a little bit, like maybe prior to Friday night's game, kind of thinking ahead to the next opponent at all? Yeah, so uh, our league, that the Lanks Lebanon League, and our quarterbacks club association that's involved with the league has a mandatory film exchange policy. So uh, the Tuesday before 
you play them, uh, you have to you have access to all of their films uh, from basically every game that they've played that year. We just actually switched to having a league pool. It used to be we only got the three most recent games, uh, but this past year is the first year that we had access to all of their film. So we'll pull all of the film off, uh, and from a defensive side of the ball, we'll pretty much just watch the three most recent games. So the expectation that I have from our defensive coaches is that from Tuesday until Saturday morning, uh, we have at least two of the games already broken down. And then the first thing we focus on is Friday, uh, Saturday morning is breaking down the previous night's game. Uh, you know, we don't, as a defense staff, we, we will look for trick play, plays or something from games earlier in the season. Uh, but we really base our tendencies off of the three most recent games, uh, thinking that teams are developing and that's what we look for from the offensive side of the ball. They'll they'll look through uh, and try to find opponents that have that run a similar uh, offensive scheme that we do to get a better idea of how things match up. Uh, that's the kind of the one nice thing about going to the portal this year is having to access to all those films uh, because it, you know it, it's hard to get an idea for what the team's going to do if you know we're a shotgun spread team and all the all the film we get to see is them playing an under center option team. So uh, the coaches will watch that on their own Tuesday, Thursday, or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, and have break down two games. And Friday, we, uh, Saturday morning, all we have to do is just watch the most recent game. And, you know, that takes about half hour or so to break that down. And then we are have our three games that we, that we want, and we can kind of discuss and, and go from there. Will you meet once your players leave then Saturday morning? Will you guys meet back up again? Yeah, so we'll have the guys 9 to 11 do our, our run, lift, and film session, and then we will meet, uh, break apart offense and defensive coaches, and that's that time from 11 till whenever we're done where we really hone in on our, our game plan and what we think, what we want to do. Um, and we we look at, okay, what formations do we want to stop? What plays do we want to stop? And figure out uh, what if there's any going to be any automatic checks for that week or how do we want to handle motions in this formation? Um and come together and then we'll be texting each other Saturday, uh, Sunday during the day and in the evening. Hey, we all still seeing the same thing. Anything we're not sure about, you know, it, it tie up any loose ends. Uh, and then, you know, Monday and Tuesday are the days for defensive that we're kind of tweaking things still to get it where we want to. Uh, and then after we meet Saturdays, Sundays, I'll go through and do all the scout cards and work with our uh defensive back coach make sure we get to see all the pass patterns that we want to see and try to make sure our kids especially our defensive backs that they get to see every pass route at least once throughout the week obviously we'll focus on one of the ones that they that the heavy hitters but we want to see as many combinations whether it's through individual period seven on seven or through the team period that they'll get an idea of uh and start being able to make some reads how much personnel like of your own team do you talk about like, um, in other words, if you're if you're going to make a move, you know, you're going to the second string guy is going to get the start this week. Will you kind of talk about that, like before the players come in, and then like tell the players that involved about that move, or do you kind of let that, or you kind of rethink that and and not tell anybody till Monday about that? Um, yeah, well, we had the situation. We'll, we'll talk that you know that initial time from seven to whatever and see, you know, is there a kid that stood out? Is there a kid that maybe needs uh, some extra attention? Uh, that's not getting the job done. But we, we try not to make any rash decisions that next day. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it as a staff. And then, you know, it, it, the pain of the situation, we, we've talked to the kids with myself and their position coach. Here's what we're seeing. Let them know it's kind of a position battle this week. 
you know, we, we appreciate you stepping up. We need you to step up uh, and, and do a little bit better. And then we'll let it kind of work its way out through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and, and then Thursday we'll, we'll, is when we'll come up with a decision. Uh, so depending on who it is, uh, but most of the time we, we will have a little conversation if it's going to be a, if we think it's going to be a move that might be a surprise. Um, but we have so many guys that play two ways that we do a ton of rotating. So, um, you know, we have guys that play every series, guys that play every two series. So we, we try to get as many guys on the field and moving to keep people fresh. Uh, so hopefully it doesn't come as a big shock for the kid. And, you know, we want to give, make sure we give that kid an, an opportunity to, to earn their spot back uh, if they're able to. When are your JV games? Uh, so we typically play JV games on Monday. Okay. Uh, at Monday at four o'clock. And, you know, it, we've been kind of hit or miss here the past couple of years from, you know, from a standpoint from depth wise, yeah. you know, we've had to unfortunately cancel, cancel some JV games. Uh, we've been doing a lot of modified scrimmages the past two years, okay. just because we don't have a, a ton of depth at certain positions. So it's been nice that the PIA has been allowed to do that where we'll do uh, most, most recently. I think what's been great for us is we haven't been doing special teams for JV games. So okay. uh, we'll, we'll play it like a normal game. We'll have the change. We'll have everything else. But if we punt the ball, we'll just move the ball back 30 yards and we'll go for it on fourth down, go for two every time or uh, kind of start in the 25 instead of doing a kickoff. Just because that's the hardest part about a JV is, you know, trying to put together a, a special teams beforehand right. and you just take those reps away from, you know, the offense and defensive side of the ball. Have you had any um, – we had – at Lower Dolphin, we had three Thursday games this year. So, like um, – the JV games on Monday, kind of like like we wanted to kind of have a regular practice on Monday, but we didn't have our kids. You know, we didn't have those JV kids to have a regular practice. So then we yeah, kind of no. crammed in the rest of the week, you know, in a, in a Tuesday, Wednesday. And usually you have that extra day, that Thursday, to kind of work until Friday. But when you play those Thursday games, so I don't know if, you, if you're able to get some stuff done on those days you don't have the JV games. Yeah, so um... – Thankfully, we we haven't had we pretty much played Fridays. Uh, we haven't had to move to any Thursday games yet. We had this our opening game this year got moved to Saturday, uh, Saturday morning. Okay, which was uh, a change. But we we've been fortunate with with the Fridays. But yeah, I mean Mondays are tough because we don't have we don't usually have a very big roster. Right, we're in between forty and fifty kids, uh, and you know we send a you know a good chunk of twenty or some kids for a JV game. It doesn't leave you a ton of kids that are able to do a full scrimmage on Monday or a full practice on Monday. So for us, if it's a Monday where we have a JV game, you know, our varsity guys will lift, get their second lift in for the week. And they'll also uh, watch, we'll watch film and talk more through game plan and adjustments and, and take advantage of that opportunity. And then we'll go out to the field and we'll do a little bit of a, a heavy conditioning period and, you know, do a walkthrough and kind of, you know, we show them stuff on whiteboards, how like how we want to line up and, and what to expect. But we then we try to walk through some stuff and show them some lineup, uh, how we want to line up. So it, it's another recovery day for us if we have a JV game with a heavy conditioning period. Uh, and then, you know, if for some reason you don't have a JV game that week, then we're more of a an install practice in uppers. Okay. Uh, go through conditioning, have an offensive install session, have offensive individual, offensive team defensive install and just kind of go through the whole entire game plan 
Um, and it just depends on the situation. If we're able to play it, how many kids we have at that point and what we can do. What app are you using to get the, the game plan out to the kids? Uh, it's called the Just Play app. Yeah, I've seen uh, advertisements for that. Yeah, it, it's so when I first started uh, at Effort, we had like the, the premium huddle package and we had the huddle play tools and all of those things. And from and maybe it's just because I wasn't very tech savvy. I couldn't work my way around using the huddle play tools. I thought it was very clunky and it just wasn't it wasn't worth what we were paying for. it. Uh, so I, I did some research and just play came out and I, I was, saw all the positive reviews and did a little uh, review of it. But, you know, that's how we've put our entire offense and defensive playbook on there. Uh, so the kids have and we've attached huddle clips to each one of our plays. So at any point, a kid can pull out their phone, look at the app, see what the play is. Uh, and so that's kind of one nice thing. So there's no excuse not to have the playbook with you because you know, nowadays kids don't go very far without having a cell phone right. in their hand. Uh, but then it also has a, an excellent uh, install or, or game plan type thing that you can do. So we'll, I'll go through and I'll tag and I'll put their formations in, talk about how we want how we want to line up. I'll draw cards of how you want to line up. I'll attach the clips of their top plays. So a kid can scroll through that instead of having to make huddle cut-ups. They can just look through the app and see everything they need to see. And what's nice from a coaching standpoint is we can see how much time they've spent on each slide okay. uh, and how much time they spent on the app. And so we can go back and ask the kids – Hey, why didn't you watch this? Or what were you doing? All this stuff. Uh, and then the kids know come Monday, our conditioning is depending on how well they've reviewed the game plan. So we'll have a, a 10 to 15 question quiz. So we'll start at the We'll start on the goal line and we have 14 sprints. So it could be 1400s and each question they get right, they move up five yards or 10 yards. Oh, that's uh, interesting. So that's kind of our incentive. Is that, it, hey, do, you, do you just call on everybody like it, like, uh, yeah, so they just it, call it, out the answer. Yeah. So it'll be a situation where it's like, uh, if it's for a quarterback, if there's an automatic check that we want to get out of a certain okay. play, if we see this, uh, we'll call on our quarterback. Uh, or if it's a wide receiver, if we're changing a, a route combination, we'll call on a wide receiver. Or if it's our safeties who set our coverages, we'll ask, Hey, this formation comes out. What's our coverage? How are we adjusting? Um, or a linebacker if it's a blitz or a stunt. So we'll call somebody in that position group where it immediately affects. Uh, and then, you know, it could be questions could be as simple as, hey, what's the record? What's the run pass percentage? And then we can get, we kind of nail down it and get to the nitty gritty part. So it, it was, the kids know that's the expectation. That's kind of how we, our way of holding them accountable is, you know, you guys decide what condition is today. It depends on how well you prepare and, and spend the time looking at it. Uh, yeah, that makes the scouting report important to them. Yeah, uh, knowing for that sure. they don't have to run as much if they look at it. Okay, so now it's Tuesday and you're going to have a defensive day, right? You said you do. Yeah. Like, how much offense will you do on that defensive day? So for us, we'll have uh, it'll be um, we'll have a 15 play script for team offense at the end of the time. Uh, so we'll do uh, our defensive individual. We'll do our uh, tackling stations, our turnover circuit, have an individual period, have inside run, and then we'll do a, our specialties period, cover two of our special teams, and then do seven on seven and team, and then come back and do team offense at the end. And then for an offensive day, it's just pretty much the opposite. We go through all of our team stuff, uh, all of our offensive individuals, agility stations, seven on seven, and then end with a 15-day team period, a 15-play 
defensive team script. Do you, um, do you mix in special teams on Tuesday and Wednesday, or is that do you save that for Thursday? Yeah, so we'll, we'll do two special teams on Tuesday, okay. two special teams on Wednesday, uh, and it really depends. For the past couple of years, our kickers have been members of our soccer team. Right. So we'll do kickoff and field goal whenever they can be there. Okay. Because uh, we actually every Wednesday we have a night practice from six to nine, because okay. we only have we have one field. So our practice field is also our game field, which is you know it's nice. We only have our turf. Mm-hmm. We don't have to worry about sharing the turf with anybody in the football season. But our junior high does have home games on Wednesday Wednesdays. Okay. So last two years ago during COVID, our school had off on Wednesdays. The kids were a virtual day, so we went to the late practice first, then to give parents a chance to bring their kids back. To practice right. uh, if they work until five o'clock we don't have to worry, worry about transportation issues since the kids weren't at school on wednesdays um and then it also ended up being nice because the kids actually get to play underneath the lights and get used to seeing that and be that atmosphere that they're going to be on on friday night so how long, actually what did you say ahead. how long did you say that wednesday night practice is it we usually go from like six to nine we have like a pre-practice at six stretch will start at six fifteen, and then we'll be off the field by nine and is that how our Tuesdays three hours long? Yeah, it's it's like two hours and forty five minutes with a with a fifty minute pre practice in there. Um, Do you start right after school? So we traditionally start at four o'clock. Uh, our school day is over at three. Okay. So we give the kids. Uh, we'll start pre practice at three forty five. So going from that time, they can go see the trainer. Uh, they can see a teacher. They can. Uh, it gives my assistant coaches that aren't. Uh, teaches a chance to get there yep. uh, and it, it gives us a chance that not everyone's rushing around to get to practice. All right, so be, because we used to try to start at three 30 and then pre-practice was getting modified and we weren't getting the, all the reps that we went to get pre-practice. So about two years ago, we said we need to make pre-practice a priority. So let's practice, let's push practice back and make sure we get that 15 minutes of install or ball lines or kicking or snapping and, and make that an int- integral part of our practice to kind of get our mindset right. And then what does Thursday look like then? So Thursday for us is it's our game check practice. Okay. Uh, that's the one where we expect per- perfection. So we'll come out, we'll go through our stretch. We'll start with a two minute drill uh, on air with a, a certain situation uh, where, where we have to score a touchdown and kick the extra point, touchdown, two point conversion, uh, or kick a field goal, depending. So we'll start with that. It'll change. You have this many timeouts, and it gives our guys a chance to think and play fast. And then we'll go through. Uh, all of our special teams that day, and I, I tell the kids, it's up to you how fast we get out of here. Okay. I want two perfect reps of every special team. So if we have to do that twice and we got them, great. If we have to do them four or five, six times, we want two perfect reps from each special team. And then we have a 10-play defensive script for seven-on-seven, seven, a 10-play offensive script for seven-on-seven. Seven. It's the same deal. We want 10 perfect reps. So if we can get through those first 10 with perfection, we're, we're good. And then we have a 15-play defensive script and with a Hail Mary situation and then a 15-play offensive script and end with a, a kneel-down offense. Uh, and, and that's – sometimes it takes an hour. Sometimes it takes an hour and a half. It just really depends on how focused the yep. kids are. And we were actually – I was just talking with my running back today. He's, he said, Coach, remember that freshman year when you got so mad at us that you just reached out the whole pre-practice, whole practice over <laughs> because we were so bad? And I said, yeah. I said, we want perfection on Thursday. And, you know, if it's not going the way we want it to, we'll stop in the middle of the Thursday practice and we'll go back to stretch and do everything all over again. Um, because, you know, however we play, show up and, and, and if we're not focused on Thursday, there's no way we can be focused on a Friday. 
restarting the practice that gets people refocused i know that that, that yeah that for happened sure. to me when i was in high school I remember, I'll, I'll never forget that but that definitely gets you focused no doubt so, so changing gears here you went from you were an assistant you were a d coordinator at northern lebanon then you got hired as the head coach at Ephrata. can you talk about that transition becoming going from the assistant to the head coach yeah so you know when I, it's always been a dream of mine from the time I was in middle school that I knew I wanted to be a math teacher and a head football coach, and that's kind of what led me to LVC and with, with their math program, and then meeting obviously Coach Modis and, and the football program. You know that was a, a nice transition, and I knew that's where I wanted to go to get to where I wanted to be. And then I was fortunate enough to student teacher at Northern Lebanon, and like you said, I had to be a junior high soccer coach for a year, uh, which is probably one of the worst coaching experiences in my life. But it was just <laughs> an interesting setting. And actually, I think my first year I coached junior high soccer, junior high girls basketball and softball. Uh, so it, it was three sports. And then I, after that, it was did football, basketball and and uh, softball. So I, it, it did a lot of coaching those first two years just to be involved. Uh, but actually, it's kind of in 2014, my first year as the defense coordinator at Northern Lebanon, we were Ephrata's first home game on their brand new turf, uh, Ephrata War Memorial Field. Uh, in my opinion, it's probably one of the best atmospheres in high school football uh, with the, the baseball field and the setting and the bleachers. And th th there's no better place to be on a Friday night game than at Ephrata. So in 2014, I was the defense coordinator. We opened up War Memorial Field, and uh, you know, Ephraim was really struggling at that time. I think their losing streak just started the, the year or two before. Um, but it was neat that night to see how the community support was out for Ephrata and wanted to be part of that opening night. Uh, whether the alumni, the stands were packed, and, and the team wasn't very good at the time. And actually, when we got back that night to Northern Lebanon and we're sitting in the coach's room, uh, I told the Roy Wall, who was the head coach at the time, I said, hey, if Ephrata's job ever opens up, I want to be the next head coach at Ephrata. Because uh, I said, if there ever, if we can ever, if someone can ever get that program winning and heading in the right direction, the community support's going to be second to none. Uh, so I, as I transitioned, I, I knew that was my goal to be a head coach at someday. So I tried to take as much responsibility as I possibly could. Uh, you know, I was the guy at Northern Lebanon that was doing fundraisers. I was doing the, the equipment truck, making sure everything was packed, helping out with, you know, game day setup, helping out with game planning, you know, and whatever basically Coach Wall needed. I wanted to be the guy that was there because um, I knew that's what I wanted to do. And, and he knew that's what my long-term goal was. So he worked with me and, and gave me advice and talked through a lot of things. Uh, and and you know, over the time period, I got really close with him. Uh, and he was a big part of me, you know, helping me get this job at Ephra. Um, so I, I appreciate what he did. And it was uh, a great experience to be part of his staff and, and win two section titles and then, you know, be able to move to Ephra and start, uh, you know, the, the, the undertaking of, of a, being a first year head coach. Uh, and, you know, as, as much as I thought I was prepared to be a head coach, uh, I was crazy as naive 30 year old, I guess, a relatively young first time head coach. Uh, obviously the, the, some of the stuff that happens those first two years is just, you can't make some of this stuff up. And, um, but it was uh, a, definitely a tough transition. And 
the my my biggest concern or struggle at the time was how in the heck am I going to hire a staff? Yeah, uh, I was a I coached in in, in Lebanon. I, my family, my wife and I, and my young my oldest daughter now lived in northern Le- in Lebanon County. So we did we lost some connections uh, to Lancaster County and trying to fill out a staff. It was it, it, you know a coach is only as good as assistants. Um, so I'm like, who am I going to convince to come and coach with me? Uh, on a team that has a 31 game losing streak that hasn't won a game in, in three years that, you know, is a huge undertaking. And, and man, I, man, am I unfortunate for the guys that I was able to bring on. And actually one of the, my, one of my first hires was uh, a, a kid that was just graduating from LVC uh, as, as a quarterback that uh, Jack Bidler, who's the linebackers coach at LVC recommended to me. Uh, I was an effort of grad and was able to get him on, uh, was able to get, uh, one of a, a kid, a guy that played offensive line, it was a starting center at LBC for four years. When I was there, he came on. Um, another re- receiver, tight end that played at LBC, came on staff. So uh, we always joke that we, they they call us the LBC love boat because of how many <laughs> uh, LBC connections we have on staff. And you know, we always tell everyone and like to remind everyone that LBC is number one in the nation in, in job placement. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> They they always give us they give us crap about that, but uh, I, I was fortunate to get a good staff of kids, uh, a good staff of guys on there. Uh, but I, I think probably the, one of the biggest things that I was able to do was I was able to get coaches in the building uh, and, and to be part of my staff. And that's one thing I thought that wasn't effort when I started is uh, there, there was no coaches that were in the building and on staff. Uh, and I knew that if we wanted to get the program headed in the right direction, we had to beat the hallways and find kids that wanted to play football and get the best athletes out. So I was fortunate to get two experienced coaches uh, that have been around the block and, and been there for a while. It, it, Pat Ross and Dr. Harding, uh, they were a social studies and science teacher. They were in the building. They were there. They were invested in the school and, and were, were connected. And, and those were guys who were a big part of getting kids out to play. Um, and then, you know, Josh Clare is our phys ed teacher. He helped get kids out. And now our, our, our AD, uh, now Mike O'Donnell was a, a teacher at the time. So they went, effort went from having no coaches on staff to four coaches on staff in the building, uh, which I, I can't say enough. I, I don't know how anyone could be a head coach. And I know guys do it successfully. Uh, but my thing was that there's no way that I could do my job as a head coach if I wasn't a teacher in the district, if I didn't live in the district. And, and be totally invested, uh, especially a situation, uh, you know, as a first year head coach, I needed to be able to be all in and still be able to be, be involved with my family. So I have a five minute commute to work every day and, you know, I can be at school and with my family in a matter of 10 minutes. Well, you've certainly made football important again in Ephra and the Ephra community. And I didn't realize until you told me before we started recording this, how long, the effort of losing streak really was. So can you talk to, and you had used to, you still had to wait a while. You, you were very patient and I'm sure the administration was patient with you and your staff and your team and that the patience has paid off. So can you talk a little bit about the, the losing streak and overcoming that? Yeah. So, uh, as I mentioned, when I got hired, the losing streak at the time was 31 games. Uh, and my first practice, I think as head coach, in August of 2016, we had about like 34 kids dressed for practice. Okay. Um, and by one point during that year, we were down to uh, 19 kids Ooh. dressed and healthy for practice. 
uh, heading into playing Mannheim Central. Man. So I think Tuesday was we, we, we our practice. Tuesday or Wednesday was our practice. We had 19 kids finished practice, healthy, and able to play. Um, and then we were going to play Mannheim Central, who with yeah, obviously their their football tradition. Uh, and what they're able to accomplish with Coach Williams and Coach Hahn is obviously uh, speaks for itself. Yep. So at that point, you know, from the, the story that I told our kids in the beginning is like, I don't care who doesn't play football. The, the kids I care about are the ones right here in this room that are, are choosing to play football, that know the situation, that are here right now. Uh, and I said, we're not – because it was, I guess it was a, a tradition that kids would wait until after two days, until the first day of school, and then say they wanted to play football. Mm-hmm. And I said, we're not doing that. Like, you come out the first day, you're here. We're not taking more kids out. This is it. We're rolling with who we got. Whatever happens, I believe in you guys. I'm putting my faith in you guys. Uh, so we get to that point where we have 19 kids. And then I have a, a group of underclassmen come to me the one next day and say, Coach, there's kids that want to play football. And at this point, it was like week seven or eight into the season. So it, it was pretty far along. And they said – we have 15 of our friends that want to play football. Okay. And I was like, well, what do we do? I've been telling these kids all along that we're not taking anyone else out. What do we want to do? So I, I talked to our seniors, talked to our class and say, what do you guys want to do? They said, I am willing to grind with you guys or we can accept, let these kids come out. And, you know, we talked a little bit and part of the stipulations that had been, you know, like, all right, we'll take you out, but you have to be, you can't be a senior. We're not taking a senior out for the, like for two more weeks. That, that doesn't do us any good. Right. And well, you have to be an underclassman, and you have to be willing to play next year. At least be committed to trying football again next year and start from the beginning. And I mean, obviously, there's nothing I could hold the kids to to do that, but that was the expectation that we put out. And I think from those, I don't even even 18 kids. But I think 15 ended up coming back that next year, and we went from a roster size of 34 to nearly 50. That's huge. Wow, that's uh, awesome. And, yeah, and it was just getting as many athletes as we can to play football out. And that was kind of one of the biggest issues that we didn't have athletes playing, as, as many athletes as we could. Uh, There's a lot of athletes walking the hallways that weren't playing. And you know, we took the approach, and I know some people may disagree with it, but it was we understand that football may not be your number one sport. At the time, effort has, and they still do have a very successful baseball program with Coach Shelley, district titles, section titles, league championships. Um, our lacrosse program has been really good having section championships, league championships, district championships. Basketball program at the time was doing really, really well. So we knew that if we came in there and said that football has to be your one and only sport, we weren't going to get those guys be just because of the state of our program. So it was, we understand that football may not be your most important sport, but hey, come out, play from August, make football a priority from August to November. And that's what we got to start with. Uh, Because if if we didn't have numbers, we weren't going to be able to succeed and and get better. And then one of the things that my predecessor did that he did a fabulous job was he really worked and stabilized our youth football program. Uh, there was a group of gentlemen and alumni that took a vested interest in that youth program. And it grew from having 70 kids to 150 wow. kids in a year. Wow. Uh, and we, they, at one point they had to buy 150 new pairs of helmets and shoulder pads and they fundraised and were able to, within a month, have all those 
uh, shoulder pads and helmets, brand new speed flexes and shoulder pads and new coaches, new structure and everything. Uh, So there was support coming, but it was just kind of weathering that storm that we had that good, that good youth structure to build up and and buy time as they worked their way through middle school and just keep the program going. Uh, Because there's a couple of times, you know, the first couple of years, I'm like, man, are we going to be able to get this thing going? Just the way it was. And you know, kids were working hard. They were doing what they could. But we just didn't have the, the kids were starting playing football so late. We didn't have the experience that we needed. And it was a struggle. And we were playing a, a very tough schedule. And, you know, it hats off to those kids those first years. They didn't quit. Um, and if if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be able to get to where we were now. And a lot of times like, well, the, the, you know, the kid. You were 0 21 your your first 21 games. You didn't win it. You were mercy rolled probably in 20 of them. Like it wasn't a good situation. Uh, but those kids showed up every week. They practiced. They got better, and they they made sure the program was better when they left than when they started. Well, that certainly uh, sounds and, like that that was the the turning point to the effort of football program was you letting oh, those 15 guys play. Yeah, for sure. And that was because I'm not sure we could have finished the season. Right. Um, just we had two more weeks left after that, and if we didn't get those kids out, we don't get the numbers. We then, you know, like I said, we dropped to 50 kids. We still struggled, but we started getting more kids out. And then finally, uh, in year three, we had the first batch of kids that went through the youth program that yeah. were part of that change over those 150 kids in the youth program. They've had a, they went uh, undefeated then in junior high that next year, and then they were ended up being sophomores. And they were the first kids that had some football fundamentals from a young age that were a big part of that class. And they actually just graduated last year and they graduated with a winning record, uh, wow. which hasn't been done in a long time. Right. That's, in Africa. That's great. Um, and, and, you know, our philosophy, you know, I'm not a big coach on having a, and a lot of coaches have a different motto each year. And, you know, our motto is always the same. It's always, you know, we preach and we say it at the end of every practice, before every practice, you know, our motto is win all day. And we want to be winners in the classroom, in the community, uh, and on the field. And, you know, that that's our three pillars that we that we hold our program on to. And, you know, with that, we talk about raising the bar. And each class since I've been at Ephrata, I think, has raised the bar for the next class to follow. And, you know, we talk about that's how good programs become great programs is that you don't status, you don't settle for the status quo that you're always looking to increase and do better than the class before you. Uh, and a lot of times, sometimes the alum, like you see kids or, or people that graduate get bitter because they don't want the program to be better than when right. they were there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we talk about like that at, when you graduate, you want the next, you need to want the next class to be better than you were. Um, and know that just because you weren't on the team that was that was better doesn't mean you weren't part of the team. Uh, that you were, because of the work ethic and the, and the values and what you did, allowed that next class of kids to, to be better than what you were. Um, it's kind of like, you know, as a parent, you always want your kids to have better than what you had growing up. Um, it, it's the same philosophy, I think, that's what we try to preach to our kids, that when you graduate, the program better be better than when you were a sophomore. And you better hope that it's better the next year when you leave and you better come out and support and, and you know, encourage and, and help grow the program and be a great role model for the program. Well, the kids you got going on right now, they're certainly leaving their legacy on Ephrata and Ephrata football. So you got it going there, coach. And that's awesome. I'm going to, I'm going to wrap it up there. And 
this was the turnaround there is is very significant at effort. I I did not realize fifty two games is a lot of football games for a football program and a community really to endure. So for you to turn that around, coach, that that what an uphill struggle, and you 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 were patient with it and you waited it out, and here you are. Did you tell me it was four non consecutive losing seasons that you have now? Yeah, yeah. So my awesome. first two years we, we had we're zero and twenty one, and then we've had non losing seasons the the past four years, which has been a a huge turnaround. We went to a point where the kids were graduate never experienced a win in their high school career, yeah. and now they've never experienced a losing season, right. which is uh, that's a pretty cool. cool thing. That's cool. Well, thanks for coming on, Coach. I appreciate it. You did a great job. Um, I wish you luck here in the off season. You guys lifting and doing all that good stuff right now. I'm sure. Yep, absolutely. Good. Yeah, we, we've had we've had a great turnout. We actually just had a a new weight room renovation awesome. done this year. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, it, it's exciting. It's exciting times. Coach, you have a good evening. I'm sure we'll talk soon at some point. Sounds good, Coach. I appreciate you having me on, and, and best of luck. Look forward to working with you in the future. No problem, man. I'll talk to you later, right? All right. See you, Coach. See you.